Hi, I'm Billy. She, they. And I'm Jordan. She, her. And this is the Rebel Movement Podcast. The show where we are declaring freedom from diet culture and toxic positivity, from mental health, diet culture in the fitness industry, to pregnancy, postpartum, and everything else in between, we're here to talk about it. This is a Rebel Movement. Hello. How are you? Oh, pretty good. A little sore, tired, but yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sore from like parenting stuff. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, this morning. Um, my youngest was up at um, four thirty, I think, um, and then we tried to get him back to sleep, and then he, I gave up at like five. Um, I. Th- think and then uh, I was holding him and he fell asleep on me and I was like trying to decide if I could unlatch him and get him back into his crib and then go back into bed and see if I can sleep for a little bit and before I finished deciding I fell asleep sitting up uh so and we all woke up at like 6 30 so I slept for like I think an hour sitting up which I used to do a lot in the early days it had just like just kills your back and your neck because you're like it's like the weirdest position um, but yeah <laughs> that's that I can understand why you would be sore from that yeah it's like it's not a great place to to sleep uh, we're, we're working <laughs> on it but it's hard it's hard mm-hmm. to fix the the early morning wakings mm-hmm. um for like a variety of like very like normal biological hormonal reasons um you know it's like anyways like has to do with uh your melatonin serotonin production is kind of starts to dip around that like 4 a.m window and so getting back to sleep between 4 a.m and 6 a.m is really really difficult so yeah oh yeah 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 baby sleep is a tough nut to crack (laughs) and every kid is so different that you just like there's no blueprint like (laughs) just like winging it seeing what sticks but hmm. anyways hopefully he'll grow out of it soon <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully yeah yeah anywho. Uh, pardon i said anywho but that does oh. <laughs> uh coincidentally segue very nicely into our mm-hmm. topic completely unplanned because for one of the first times ever we just literally hopped onto the record without chit-chatting first <laughs> mm-hmm. that's true that's, that's true jumped in <laughs> Just jump right in. Try to catch the good parts of the conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, damn, yeah. we're wasting this conversation on nobody. <laughs> That's true. That has happened a few a few weeks now. I guess it's only been a few weeks where we like we're talking beforehand and we're both like, ah, oh, damn, we should have been recording for this. Yeah. No. I, hopefully this will right work in. out. Oops. Yes, jumping right in. To... <laughs> to what we want to talk about this week. That's fine. Look at the behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> which is uh, diet culture as it relates to pregnancy, postpartum, um, even like fertility, um, that kind of stuff. So I keep getting these freaking messages pop up. Ignore. There we go. It's like Adobe. I don't even use it on my oh. computer and it constantly wants me to update it. <laughs> I didn't put you here. Um <laughs> yeah um so I guess right off the top I wanted to say 
What did I want to say? Um, oh, goodness. I'm so sorry. My mind is drawing completely okay. blank. Um, okay. I think I wanted to say, oh, right. Um, where I'm coming from, like as a person, as I enter this conversation, um, from like, uh, sorry, my daughter's still awake and I'm just hearing her talk. But anyways, um, okay. What I'm trying to say is, I just want to start this conversation by saying that this, the conversation is going to be like primarily, I, I'm hoping like from my perspective, but there's a lot of like more like universal things or a lot more like broad stuff that I've just noticed. Um, and then some stuff is going to be like a little bit more personal to me. Um, but coming from me as like a white cis woman in a heterosexual relationship, um, who's like in terms of diet culture, probably pretty mid-sized. Um, so that kind of privilege plays into it as well. Um, and just in case for the fertility thing, if I forget to mention it, haven't struggled with fertility issues. So that's not a perspective I'm coming from, but just like a little bit of the diet culture stuff that plays into the like pre-pregnancy world, I guess, more than, well, it is fertility, like that part. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of the, like the ground I wanted to start off on. Mm -hmm. um, anything to add? I don't know. I don't want this to be like a monologue. No, I think that's, um, sorry. I'm just, I'm like, excited to hear your like experiences and your stuff you've learned through all this but I think that's a good way of starting it is um like just acknowledging like your standpoint and I think it's an important thing to acknowledge is uh, is as we talk about diet culture in lots of different respects is that the place we're coming from is as like um white folks um who have certain like we have certain privileges um based on like color or how we are relationships that we're in or the way we present um that means that our experiences are impacted by that so mm -hmm. there's some differences or there's some um, I just totally lost the end of my sentence. There's yeah, some. Okay. We're having a slow day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> like mind-wise, it's just like the hamster wheel is just so slow right now. Yeah, um, but like, yeah. So just because as I was writing down, kind of like over the last couple of weeks, because we knew we I wanted to talk about this, and so I was just writing down like ideas as they came to me to make sure that I could remember as much as possible. Also, because like I started this like almost three years ago now, so it's been a, a while. Yeah. Um, and I was writing it down and I was thinking about other things that would impact the way that like diet culture shows up for you during this time in your life. And also not even having to worry about like, you know, increased mortality rates, um, you know, based off of who you are and what intersection you stand at. Um, just like that's the most basic one that I can think of right now. Um, but that would very much impact the way that you walk through this as well um, and would change an experience of pregnancy and postpartum and, and you know, in a way that I can't uh, speak to and I've never experienced. So mm -hmm. anyways, um, to just kind of bring it to the 
beginning, I guess, to get this conversation going. Um, so I first, my first pregnancy started in, um, I guess, technically August um, is when I found out, uh, 2019. So um, at that point in my life, um, I'd just gone through like a really, really stressful, but very eye-opening year. Um, a lot of growth uh, throughout like 2018, 2019. Um, I was living between like Montreal and Kingston most of the time. So I spend the week in Montreal. I'd take the train up to Kingston for the weekend and then come back in time for a class at 6 p.m. on Monday and then work full-time throughout the week. And then like, you know, it was leave, you know, Saturday afternoon to be back in Kingston for Saturday evening and then just start the whole thing again. So it was very, very stressful. Um, and at that time, um, I think I was like, had whittled myself down to eating like once a day, um, just through like a couple of years of like bullshit conditioning, mm -hmm. um, you know, just saying like, I could just have coffee or if I just ate a little bit later in the day or, you know, whatever. And then all these other sneaky like bits and pieces, like, oh, this is just, I mean, technically it's intuitive, not intuitive, oh my God, it's uh, intermittent fasting. Um, okay. You know, like I can just like push my window a little bit later and like all this kind of stuff, like look how good I am. I can go 20 hours, 18 hours, whatever, um, without eating. And, you know, if I just wait one more hour, then I can push that window more or like that kind of stuff. Um, that's where I was at the beginning. So it would be like September, 2018-ish. Um, and then entering this like really stressful year. Oh, also coming off of doing CrossFit like three to five times a week plus oh other stuff. Like, yeah, no, not great. Uh, not sustainable. Um, but more than anything, really just detrimental to my mental health. Yeah. Just not in a great place. And so that, and then entering this like really stressful period where I was in school full-time, working full-time and then traveling to be up with my partner on the weekends. Um, I like wanted to keep up the way I was eating, I guess, and the way I was training. Um, and uh, eventually I realized within a couple of weeks that like, it just, I don't know how it clicked that I couldn't um, have that much going on at the same time. Like it was just too stressful to continue to do, like to work out like that um, and have this like stressful life going on. Um, and uh, goodness, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's kind of like realizing that those two things were incompatible. Mm -hmm. um, so it was probably the first time in like a few years that I had let go of uh, working out. And I was just like, look, right now, I, I can't fit it in. Um, mm -hmm. And I was working um, for, <laughs> for a retail company that uh, very much encourages working out. Um, <laughs> So that was really difficult to mesh those things together at work and to uh, like justify that I was too stressed out in my personal life. Um, even after I'd figured out like the timeline and like I had everything kind of running, um, you know, like the, the scheduling, I guess, not timeline, like the scheduling oh, in my life I had figured out, right? Like it's like I knew, you know, I was working these days and this is when I would be on the train. And like that part was like very smooth within a few months because I just like spent time figuring it out. Um, I just couldn't add something else on top of that. It just wasn't sustainable, not at that time in my life. So I had to let that go. That was one of the things that like really shifted my view of myself. And then eventually I realized, again, 
I, I'm sure I have someone to thank on social media somewhere, but I realized that I couldn't also just eat once a day. That's just like, that wasn't a thing that could continue happening. So um, it was like a small goal for a really long time was just to do it twice a day, um, which was difficult because I wasn't used to making food twice a day. Uh, even for someone who really enjoys cooking, yeah. um, getting into the routine of like having to stop everything to make food twice right. a day or bring food with me to work and not just have coffee at lunch. Um, like anyway, so those kinds of things. And then eventually three times a day, blah, blah. So that's what I've been working on for the like year almost prior, like not intentionally, like knowing I was going to get pregnant in August, but like, just like, mm-hmm. that's kind of where my headspace was going into mm-hmm. it. So I was still very much like, I don't know. I feel like it was like the beginning of recovery kind of, or beginning yeah. of a more intentional kind of recovery. Um, I think there was a couple of years lead up, like with all the background work up until then. Right. Yeah. That year was like when I really started to be like, I can't do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I need to figure yeah. out how to get better at this. Um, but it was still very uh, superficial, I guess, work um, in terms of like, just like checking off boxes, like, okay, I'm going to like work out when I feel like it or when it fits better into my life. And I'm going to make sure I eat <laughs> properly throughout the day um, without doing like a lot of the, the mental stuff. And I feel like that's when the, the big, big recovery happens. Um, mm-hmm. The, when you do a lot more of the, the inner work, I guess, yeah. as opposed to the, um, the building blocks work. I don't know how they're divided, but they're a little bit separate in my mind. Um, but yeah, so all that lead up to say, <laughs> found out I was pregnant. Uh, it was the first time. So it was obviously very like overwhelming and so, but it's scary. Um, and I, you know, didn't know what to do. So I, like, I had to Google like, Hey, so you took a pregnancy test. Like what's the next step? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do I have to do now? Um, so you have to make an appointment. You have to find a, oh. a care provider. That's the next step. <laughs> I actually didn't know that. Yeah, I was like, oh, what is get, the answer? I have no idea. something lined up. <laughs> um, and because I knew I wanted a midwife, I knew I had to do that pretty quickly. Um, mid tend to take fewer um, people on. Um, so I was like, just had to figure out where I was going to be for my pregnancy. Was I going to be in Kingston? Was I going to be somewhere else? Um, find my midwife, whatever. Make my appointment. Very excited. Um, I, I show up and immediately I like that whole day my stomach was in knots and I was like, I started crying at the office because um, my biggest fear at that time was being weighed. Mm-hmm. I did not want to be weighed um, at my first appointment at all, not even a little bit. And my midwife was like, <laughs> you know, what's going on? What are you thinking about? And I just, I like just exploded all over her. I was just talking about how that like, I'm not comfortable getting weighed. The last time I did it, it really set off. Like um, last time I did it was actually like at the beginning of the year that I was just talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a accidental appointment with a dietitian. <laughs> That's okay. sort of a whole realm of stuff, which probably should have been included in the preamble, but anywho. Um, so I knew my, what my weight was at that time. Um, and then since then, I actually have weighed myself and so that would be four years now. Um, and I knew before stepping on that scale that it was going to destroy me because I don't know why. It's just always been something that complete, like, com- completely destroyed my life. And I can't bring it back in until I know mm-hmm. that it's just going to be like, oh, eh, that's what it is. Um, mm-hmm. 
which like, I feel like I'm getting closer to that point now, but anyways, I knew at the time I couldn't spend the next nine months knowing that number all the time. Yeah. And luckily she was incredibly supportive of that. Um, and she made sure that the other midwife on my team, uh, knew that. So I didn't even have to have the conversation twice. Um, you know, she's like, absolutely. It's not necessary. We don't need to know any of this. It's not something you should be focusing on right now, like even a little bit. Um, you know, it, it, in a rare case where I absolutely need to know for some kind of medical reason, like if we have to give you medication or something, um, you can just like turn around and then I'll read the number and I'll write it down and you don't need to know. And I was like, awesome. I'm so down with that. <laughs> That's good. I'm so glad. Um, so it wasn't tracked at all. I was never asked to step on a scale at all throughout my pregnancy. So it was just like, for me, it made me feel really, really supported um, at the place that I had chosen to um, be my care provider for my pregnancy. So that's like, I guess the first like dichotomy of, is it dichotomy, binary? I don't know. It's like the thing about pregnancy and diet culture and postpartum and all that stuff is that the messaging with diet culture is always the exact opposite, the entire way down. So it's like, you don't need to be weighed. Um, you know, your body's doing what it needs to do, all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but for a healthy pregnancy, you should only really gain 20 pounds or whatever the fuck. Um, <laughs> like, you know, so, um, and like, I'm not saying that all care providers or all people are, are saying these two things at the same time. Some people are, and it's very confusing. Um, but those, the two like opposing messages exist at, at like every step of the way. So it's like, yeah, you don't need to wait your you know, your body's doing what it needs to do. Um, you know, just like trust yourself, like all these kind of things where it's like, you really have to learn how to tap into your intuition and to trust, trust that you know exactly what needs to be done, um, which is a really powerful message throughout like pregnancy and like the birth process and all this kind of stuff. And something that I think is obviously powerful in your everyday life that I wanted to make sure that I pulled out of pregnancy with me. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about those kinds of lessons later, um, as if I'm giving a Ted talk. Um, <laughs> I like it, <laughs> but then on the, like the flip side, you have like messaging about like having like a belly only pregnancy, like that's a marketing tactic. Um, you know, making sure like, uh, maternity clothing, like when you go to buy it, it's, they always say like, just wear your normal, like pre-pregnancy size and just order, wear a large, order large, wear an extra large, order an extra large. But that scale is based off of, <laughs> they don't give you measurements for this shit either in pregnancy oh. and the uh, like maternity wear. Mm -hmm. It's based off of only gaining 20 pounds. Mm. Like that's what the scale is based off of. So it assumes you only gained that much weight throughout your pregnancy. Like by the time you were seven months or eight months or whatever, that you're around that number. And that's why you, if you were like a large, you will fit into a large, um, but they don't, or at least I don't remember seeing any like measurements of like how big the belly area is now, like mm -hmm. how big are the hips now? How big is the bust now? Because like not everyone will hit that like 20 mark. You could do less and you can do more uh, mm -hmm. for a variety of reasons you know, it's just such an arbitrary number that, that um, someone picked, but then this becomes like this marketing tactic to sell you shit 
while you're pregnant and to scare you into like thinking that somehow you're going to cause harm on not just your body anymore, but on uh. the life that you're carrying because you're not hitting that target. So again, like for me, I'm so happy that my midwife team was like, you don't need to wait. It's not important. Not even a little bit. <laughs> like what they're going to measure is your like heart rate and your blood pressure because we really need to make sure that that is staying in a good place to be able to see if you're going to be developing like preeclampsia or something like that, that could be really scary and really life-threatening. <laughs> like those are the markers that we need to look at. We need to look at like different markers in your blood <laughs> to see if you have gestational diabetes or low iron or whatever it is that again, could be really life-threatening in the end. So, um, and then da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, the next part is somehow the algorithms on social media are so intelligent that once you are pregnant, <laughs> I assume it's because you start to like, you know, Google baby shit, yeah. probably right. follow people who have families, like that kind of, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? You start to engage in that content a little bit more. Maybe you're looking for like a sleep consultant or a lactation consultant. You're just browsing through Instagram or whatever to see those things. But then you start to get fed weight loss ads constantly. Um, like I remember seeing so much stuff for Noom, just like, like every yeah. single day um, to the point where like <laughs> my YouTubes are like ads are still all like Noom ads always um, oh. on Instagram and Facebook. I usually just like say like, go away. I don't want to see this anymore. Oh, it's yeah. not, not, is irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that connection, like as someone who really enjoys marketing, um, like to the point where like, I, I've studied this, like I have a post graduate certificate <laughs> in marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, social media and the algorithm really fascinates me. And I was like, as if engaging in like baby content or maternity content or whatever, then leads the algorithm to feed you weight loss ads. Like those two things are tied together. It's predatory. Um, Like, (laughs) anyways, and then like, again, I don't know, just like these opposing conversations of like, I don't know, um, postpartum, it's like, you know, trust yourself, like intuition, blah, blah, all this kind of stuff on one side. And the other side is like bounce back culture um, that has like so many different sneaky ways of being out there. Like one of the big taglines you'll see is like um, nine months in, nine months out. So the idea is that like (laughs) you grew a baby for nine months ish, um, sometimes 10. That's what it felt like Uh, (laughs) for the second (laughs) one. Um, And that you have this timeline, like that's how much time it should take you to lose all your weight that you gained. And that's the expectation is that you did this for nine months and now nine months and it's gone. That's not how bodies work. No. <laughs> um, like we were just talking about in our nice little intro segue is that you're doing so much other shit during this time. You're not sleeping. You're falling asleep in strange positions. <laughs> like a lot of things hurt. Uh, you're just kind of getting it in when you can and like in even eating in the first few days, like you're just fitting it in around somebody else's schedule. That's completely unpredictable. And sometimes you get trapped like (laughs) in your bed without any food. And you know, the baby just fell asleep and it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not moving. I can't, I can't do this. So how are you expected to 
or why are you expected to focus on weight loss at this time? Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, obviously, I feel like it's bullshit messaging any time in your life that you're focused on this. But I guess just for today, like just for this conversation, like mm-hmm. I just felt stretched so thin that I don't even understand why we've told people who have just given birth that this is now a priority. Like on top yeah. of getting to know a completely new human or humans, mm-hmm. <laughs> like having someone depend on you for potentially the, like in that way for like potentially the first time. Yeah. And for everything, like you have to do everything for this person. And on top of all that, on top of learning all these new skills, which are absolutely learned skills, like some of it's instinct for sure, but like most of it is stuff that like, I guess, historically you would have learned from other people by watching this happen your whole life. But right now we're like maybe a little more isolated and trying to learn all this shit. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the most sleep deprived you've ever been in your entire life. Like truly, I don't think like somehow now, like I used to be like a nine hours of sleep person. Like that's how much sleep I needed to like feel good and function the next day. And like, I regularly go with like about four hours of sleep, you know? So, <laughs> and like, somehow I feel fine. So it's, it's not mm-hmm. that it's okay to get four hours of sleep. It's just, I've adjusted to operating at this level of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not for much longer. <laughs> sleep so. is important, but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just so bullshitty. And I guess like I was trying really hard at the beginning to like figure out what the the goal of this conversation is other than <laughs> ranting about the like insidiousness of diet culture in pregnancy postpartum. Um, oh, the small fertility piece I wanted to mention was like that every, like, so we all know that like diet culture starts off at a place of like, you know, your body's broken and here's how to fix it. Or here's what I can sell you to fix it. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes with fertility, right? So it's like, oh, well, something in you is broken, obviously. So, you know, you just need to go on this diet to optimize your hormone levels or whatever bullshit. Um, You know, keto is a big one for that. If you do this and buy my cookbook and follow my fertility meal plan and all this Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, (laughs) you know, then you'll be able to you know, get pregnant in a year. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, that's the timeline for most people. Like, you know, it's not, that in and of itself is not going to be enough. And telling people to crash diet <laughs> before they enter a season in which all their like nutrient reserves are going to be depleted um, for not just for nine months. I mean, if you're breastfeeding, it's all that time afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. So saying like, we're going to like to crash diet which like just completely throws off your system. And then to go into a season of nutrient depletion, which is, it's what it is. I mean, that's like biologically and like factually speaking, that's what pregnancy Mm -hmm. and like if you're breastfeeding postpartum um, is, you're supposed to be able to build those reserves back up again, but not (laughs) if you're focusing on the messaging that's being given to you about- continuing to slim down um i don't know why i said slim down i think it's weird diet culture message i don't think i've ever seen that said that before um (laughs) (laughs) um anyway um 
oh, breastfeeding is an interesting one with, with the two different yeah. sides of the same coin. Because uh, it's uh, that it is good for weight loss is how it's marketed a lot. Okay. <laughs> it burns however many calories a day. I don't, I don't remember any of this stuff. But the other side is that if you do it, it's going to ruin your body. And so it's like perfect. Like it just you can't win. You can't win. And I guess like trying to list out all these like like I don't know two arguments that go against each other is like if you just take the time to look at all these things and realize that none of it matches up and none of it can be right because it all goes against each other. Mm-hmm. That's when for me you start to get really mad at diet culture mm-hmm. and you start to say no i'm not doing this anymore yeah it can't be right my goal of my entire life can't just be weight loss this this isn't yeah. it anymore because all of this messaging contradicts itself depending on where you look which means it's not helpful and all it's doing is taking your mind off of or your focus away from trusting yourself from your own intuition mm-hmm. you like and I think I don't know pregnancy has been a big part of my life for the last couple of years I've had uh two pregnancies uh between 2019 and 2020 one 2021 <laughs> <laughs> um and um you know so and it happened at this very pivotal moment for me uh, yeah, with yeah. like eating disorder recovery. So I just I have a lot of thoughts. Um, and it was like life changing. I don't know. I don't want to sound super cheesy. Cause like a lot of different things changed my life during that point in time, obviously having kids, but then all these like mental, like epiphanies, um, you know, noticing all these contradictions that were happening around me, kind of reinforcing my desire to really just like get the fuck away from diet culture really just walk away um and it's ongoing i'm not sure ever going to reach like an end point to it um but really taking time to notice these things even if sometimes i still fall back in those traps or you know i'll get tempted by noom one day and like sign up for their one dollar whatever the fuck trial that was and then be like no jordan get the refund back up it's it's (laughs) still a diet like this is this is not what you want to do this is not the goal of your life this is not this is not happening anymore um Mm -hmm. you know you see someone's snapback picture or whatever the fuck and you instantly go like oh we're both eight months postpartum and then you go it's fine that's not my body that's it's Mm -hmm. okay i it's just not (laughs) we're not the same person yeah oh yeah the corgi and a golden retriever like I just can't it's not the same you know (laughs) yeah they're both dogs that's pretty much it (laughs) like we're both people (laughs) yeah but that's it that's all we have in common uh we both had kids that's it (laughs) Mm. um and there's nothing good or bad about it there's no like it's almost as like moral superiority to getting it done yeah and there's just nothing that's morally superior about weight loss you know, oh. it doesn't make you a better person. Um, you know, it doesn't make you a worse person if it's 
I don't want to say like not happening for you. Cause again, like it's not the goal, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not just cause that's not what you look like. Doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. not worth it or not yeah. good, you know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's just because you don't fit into this particular requirement, somebody else decided on to be valuable and successful and beautiful and whatever doesn't dictate anything about you mm-hmm. other than the way that you look and it's not related to beauty not related to success not related to whether you're a good mom or not that part nope. not even a little bit I mean, yes yeah my yeah culture because pisses me off but, or I, I said I shouldn't say the word mom I should correct it and say parent mm-hmm. but that pisses me off that that's a message like diet culture pisses me off but how I, I feel like saying the word like the how dare you to diet it, culture it almost becomes manipulative like extra manipulative I don't know that's how it feels yeah. like anyways to go through it because it always becomes well what about the baby well what about oh. the example you're setting for your children what about the you know so it becomes like this extra level of mind fuckery like not even just like well you know you're a shitty person because you're fat right like it becomes like, and also you're setting a bad example for your children and all you're teaching them is to not value themselves. And it's like, is, like, it's whoa, also like say that out That's loud to yourself lighting. though. Yeah. yeah. Like repeat that like out loud. And just for me saying it out loud is just like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. not what I'm doing. <laughs> Absolutely yeah. not. Me showing up and having fun with my children is not teaching them to not value themselves. No. Me. And you're right. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Go, go, go. <laughs> My brain got so many things. Like, you're right in that. I feel like for a lot of folks who are like grew up in diet culture and had a difficult. I can't say that everybody has experienced this, but a lot of folks have like grown up thinking about food and weight loss as like their primary thing, mm-hmm. like their primary like focus or like the whole goal of your life is to make yourself smaller and like chisel away at yourself and like fit into this mold that will literally, you will never, you will never get there because there's always something else introduced. That's like, Oh, but you can, you can have this, but Oh, don't have cellulite or like, don't have these like made up things that diet culture is telling you that not that they're made up, but like they have nothing to do with anyway. Well, they they exist, but they're not a bad thing. (laughs) Yes, thank you. You know, cellulite (laughs) is literally just how fat lies underneath the skin. There's like zero you can do about that. You can't choose this. They didn't give you a form to fill out when you were an infant and say, do you want, you know, cellulite or would you like fat cells that lie flat? Like it's just, you don't (laughs) get to pick this. And it's just, it just is. And it's just, oh my God, like even getting started on fucking body image and stretch marks. And as if there's a cream in the world that can erase genetics, like it just, it does not work that way. It it doesn't. It's It's all bullshit. And taking pride in like, um, like taking pride in like, you know, this person didn't get any stretch marks. Oh no. Yeah. It's because I'm so religious about putting on my creams every night. It's like, yeah, but Maybe you just were never going to get stress marks. Maybe it's the cream. Maybe it's magic. But like, you know, I got the stress marks when I was 11 going through puberty. There was no doubt in my mind I wasn't going to get stress marks going through pregnancy. Like just that's what my skin does. Like it's just what's going to happen. Yeah. 
and a normal it's thing for a body fine. to do. It was shocking the first time I like got a full body look at <laughs> what happened. Um, I'd never noticed them before. Maybe I never stood in a like bathroom mirror with that much lighting. So it was like, it's a lot. There's a lot. Like, it's like I don't want to downplay how difficult it is sometimes, especially someone who like had a lot of body image, has a lot of body image issues, um, grew up with that like messaging. Mm-hmm from diet culture, from like my family, um, about the way my body looked, um, and it needing to look a certain way and like having to do drastic things to get it to look a certain way. And then just also having to let go of all that for nine months (laughs) and like wanting to let go of it. Um, but also like watching yourself change. Um, and I was reading about like, just before this, like some like habits, um, people with like a difficult relationship with food. I think that's how they worded it have. And one of them was like body checking. So, and like body avoidance, I think. So like either like overanalyzing yourself in the mirror or like, like not looking at mirrors ever, which is like, I definitely fall between the two depending on the day. Um, But like when you're, when I was pregnant, I guess I can't speak for everyone. Like you're also kind of fascinated <laughs> by like mm-hmm. what's happening and the changes are taking place. But that means you have to look in this mirror more often, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so it can be really um, tricky to, mm-hmm. to watch yourself change and then try to enjoy it, I guess, as much as possible. Um, and like some of it's just like wild and just the coolest thing in the world. Um, but then other parts are really difficult. And then I guess like if that's what you're going through, I don't want you to feel bad about that. That's very normal. It's hard to watch yourself change in such a short amount of time. Like it's less than a year and you go from being the body you've seen for probably a couple of years, right? Like our bodies changed through our whole life, but you've probably looked like that more or less for at least a year. And then within the next nine months, your body is going to change so much. Like your face shape changes, like the size of your feet changes, like so many things, (laughs) like like your shoes don't fit. Like that's wild. Like I've been wearing the same size shoes since I went through puberty and I was like, Mm -hmm. finished it probably around, finish quotation marks around 16, you know, I've probably been about the same (laughs) shoe size since then. And so, you know, for over a decade (laughs) and now my shoes don't fit. It's like wild. Yeah. Sorry, that's a very. Oh, no, no, that's I, just, I was like, how did, how uh, no, did they, that they went back. Um, the okay. second time around was the first pregnancy, not as bad in terms of foot size. Mm-hmm. Second time, um, I didn't even realize it, but I have worn through the soles of my Birkenstocks last summer <laughs> because oh, yeah. of how, um, just how my body changed and how I guess my gait changed as well because mm-hmm. that baby was ginormous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and just like real snuggled down for the last two months um <laughs> so yeah like the the whole back of my Birkenstocks are completely gone and those were the only shoes that fit at the end of my pregnancy and then it's a complicated story but with him I ended up um in the hospital for a little bit after he was born and uh I was sitting beside him the entire time and my feet ended up like swelling up afterwards uh, and so like they were like sticking through my Birkenstocks <laughs> like oh really yeah that's like the like edema was like that big mm-hmm. um and so yeah they were like <laughs> they barely fit <laughs> so I probably went up like two or three it felt like shoe sizes <laughs> but 
yeah. but now they're back to normal. <laughs> no, no, it's I fine. Just I just wasn't, I just thought I about that. I think some people, it changes forever, know. but. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I like, I, I've never been pregnant and mm-hmm. so, so a lot of this is new information for me. <laughs> I, some of the diet culture stuff I could guess mm-hmm. and I've heard some stuff from other people who I know who have been pregnant, but I just realized as you were saying that I've heard people say that before about their feet changing. And I was like, wait a minute, do like, do does then do you just have to buy all new shoes then? Like, is this, is it like that forever? Yeah. I, I think some people yeah, I it gets, it, I mean, cause if you gain weight, your feet can get like your shoe size, yeah. you can get bigger, obviously everything can get bigger, but like your shoe size size can go up like half a size or, or something. And, or that, mm-hmm. you know, you had narrow feet your whole life and now you have wide feet. Okay. Like it's just, that makes sense. it's wild. It's just cause it's something you never really think about changing just cause it's been static yeah, for yeah. such a long time or typically yeah, I guess yeah. is static for such a long time that you're just like, it's like reliable. <laughs> yeah. You can like, you yeah. know, your shoes are going to fit. It's like, if all of a sudden your earrings didn't fit, you'd be like, what the fuck? Like, this is, that, that's, it's supposed to be able to count yeah. on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> um, on top of everything else, like the mind fuckery of everything else is like, I have to get new shoes now. Um, yeah. Is it also hard if, sorry, is it, I don't mean to interrupt your thought, thought process. Can I ask you another question? It has nothing to do with shoes. It's about that. The time is about diet culture. Okay. Back on track. Um <laughs> <laughs> Is it also difficult because I I know that in like movies and again from people who I have seen or know who have been pregnant, people comment on your belly a lot and like want to touch your belly, like for some folks and they want to touch belly a lot. Is it also difficult as you're going through all of this? Like for you, it sounds like you were already at this like pivotal point before you became pregnant in terms of like stepping away from diet culture. And then you're again, doing the, like a major recovery with diet culture as your body is changing in this big way, which is in itself difficult. And then potentially, I don't know if you had, I guess it was a pandemic, so maybe it didn't happen (laughs) as much, but. Um, Only with the first one, it was only pandemic for the last month of my pregnancy. (laughs) Oh, right. Right, right. Um, She was born in April, 2020. I know. Okay. But I, it was a pandemic for the entire pregnancy for my second um, it was August, 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, people just say the wildest things people like have, I don't know why they just have no filter when you're pregnant. I don't know. Um, nobody ever asked to touch my belly. Um, I was usually the one being like, what oh, they're kicking. Do you want to, <laughs> do you want to try? Um, you have to put your hand pretty low though, because they're still pretty tiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's that, but, um, I remember with my second baby. So I had, um, uh, I think it's called a short interval uh, pregnancy. So it's when you get pregnant, like pretty much back to back. So I was like a lot larger with him. Um, and, and he was ginormous. Um, he's not like the biggest baby in the world, but he was nine pounds, six ounces when he was born. Um, and it felt, I knew from the get-go, he was not get-go from about five months in that he was mm-hmm. massive. But I remember, so he was due at the end of August and at the, like the beginning of June, I ran into someone and they're like, oh my goodness, any day now. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm only uh, like 24 weeks pregnant. It's, it's mm-hmm. like a bit to go. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah you, you look, you look amazing. I was like, no, it, like, I know, but like, also <laughs> you just, it's like, you just told me I look like I was 42 weeks pregnant. Um <laughs> And then just kind of brush it off, like, like yeah, yeah I, I, you know what I mean? Just, just like shit like that, where it's like they, you get to be like celebrated because you're so large while you're pregnant. But I mean, immediately afterwards, it's like you have to 
jump to this like weight loss mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll get a lot of like, you look so healthy. Um, people go out of your way to compliment you and you're like, I know that this is like, like, we don't need to do have this yeah. conversation. It's fine. I'm sweaty. Like It's a heat wave. I'm like 36 weeks pregnant. Like it's, it's okay. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I can barely move. Not, yeah. I'm in a terrible mood right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't um, know why, why people think, I mean, I guess people comment on other people's bodies. I don't think people should really, but no, I don't but know like, why it's like when you're pregnant, like, oh, I can say all these extra things. Now. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Oh, you're looking so big. And, or like, which like, again, like, I don't think being big is like a, a bad thing, but I just don't understand why those comments are only made while you're pregnant or while people know for sure that you're pregnant, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not something that you go around just like announcing. Um, it's almost, I remember reading somewhere that people almost like infantilize you a little bit when you're pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. So every, oh. like, you know, as if you're a child, cause you talk to children this way, but then when you're pregnant, you get kind of like get put in this weird place where like people are allowed to just like say shit to you all the time. <laughs> And you're supposed to like, mm-hmm, great. Let's move on now. <laughs> supposed to smile and say thank you, even if mm-hmm. it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I did want to, I think, bring it back a little bit to um, like intuition. Um, that I really feel like I, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but really was able to tap into <laughs> throughout my pregnancies, um, or I guess learn how to trust or learn how to like I don't know use the intuition or hear it I guess is a better way of phrasing it um so there's one question that always really bothered me when I was pregnant um one of people's first questions always when they find out it's like oh do you have any cravings um so for me this is like it's a two-parter so on one side it says that while you're pregnant, you're allowed to eat whatever you want because you can't be on a diet and you have to gain weight, whatever, like all these kinds of things. So you can do whatever it's freedom. Um, and that is definitely like an initial rush that I felt was like, now I don't need to worry about anything. Right. Um, whereas like when I'm not pregnant, then that's when I'll, I'll focus on cleaning it up or whatever. Right now I'm pregnant. So I get, I can just pull that pregnancy card and I can just eat everything I want. And it's like, it's that mentality again with that like fucking dichotomy of like belly only pregnancies like you can't gain more than 20 pounds or whatever the fuck and like you can eat whatever you want now and like you know again I'm sure that the idea is whatever you want as long as you still look skinny um everybody else needs to follow a diet um <laughs> that's all sarcasm by the way <laughs> just yeah. trying to make that really clear. Um, <laughs> I usually speak really sarcastically and I'm trying to be a little bit more straightforward when you can't see my face. Um, but, uh, fuck. anyway, so that that's like one side of the, what are you craving thing? The other side plays into that a little bit. When I hear people ask the, what are you craving? It's like, yeah, a little bit of like, Oh, like, I wish I had that much freedom in my life. I wish I was allowed to gain weight. I wish I was allowed to eat whatever I wanted. Um, it's a lot of like, oh, don't worry about it. She like, she's pregnant. She can have a second piece of cake. It's like, no, I can have a second piece of cake whenever the fuck I want if I'm hungry for it. Like, that's it. If it tastes good and I'm still hungry, I'm allowed to eat it, period. Like, that's just what it is. You don't need any other excuse than that. Um, the, so the cravings thing, the way I feel about it <laughs> is that it's actually 
I never ex- experienced it um, explicitly. There's a bit of an exception to that role, and I'll explain that in a second. But like, um, <laughs> sorry, I've thought a lot, a lot about this one. Um, oh, you don't have to apologize so, for anything. Um, I think like the cravings piece is you. I want to say like mishearing your intuition. I like as in you've trained yourself your whole life to not listen to your body and what it needs. And now you're in a place where you've allowed yourself to follow your gut. Um, And a similar thing will happen when you start. I've heard it called like the refeeding process after ending disordered eating where you will have all of these things that you need to eat right right now and you'll notice a lot of those things are going to be probably like higher carb higher fat that kind of stuff because they're the things that you've restricted in your like either disordered eating life or like your pre-pregnancy life the things that you never allowed yourself to have that you never I don't even want to say indulged in because like a fucking sandwich is not an, like an indulgence. It's not something that took me three days to make. And like, I can only do it once a year because it takes so much time. That to me is an yeah. indulgence. Like, <laughs> you know, um, cake at your birthday or I don't know why I specified birthday. I'm just thinking about it because that's the last time I had cake and it was incredible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like uh, whatever, it doesn't have to be I'm just gonna bring it back because I've lost my train of thought. Um, so, anyways, your your cravings are just things that you need to be eating. Mm-hmm. So usually, like, it's a little bit from diet culture, but like, do you remember in magazines, like, if you want chocolate, you really need an almond, um, oh, like yeah. those kinds of things. Kind of in terms of like, just eat the chocolate, but like, it's pretty high in like magnesium, like all these other kinds of things um also in sugar which is glucose carbohydrate um those things will help they actually work in tandem with like your stress hormones to help lower your stress hormones which is why you're craving it when you have stress like high levels of stress in your life you know like i think what i'm trying to like explain is that they just pinpoint something that you really do need to eat or something you really do need to do because for whatever reason, you don't need to know the scientific breakdown of fucking turkey sandwich that you really, really need to eat now. It's just something you need to eat. <laughs> yeah. um, have you ever been like sick and then, but like in the f- couple of days leading up, you're like really craving like citrus and stuff like that. Like same kind of thing. Like you've eaten it before. Your body understands what it did for you then. And so when mm-hmm. similar situations arise, it will be like, oh, fuck, orange. That's what we need. Or protein. What is it that we need? You know, um, like for me, like if my, I feel like my like blood sugar is dropping, it's always like, for some reason, like apple or dates, like those are the two things my mind like goes to immediately. Um, mm. And I know that like, I know why there's like a million different like uh, micronutrients in those things that my body probably really needs, but it's also not important that I know that breakdown. I just like to, because mm as we've mentioned before, I nerd, I enjoy knowing <laughs> that kind of stuff, but you don't need to know it down to that specificity to honor that quote unquote craving. Yeah. Um, so it's almost as like excited jealousy when people ask that, what are you craving thing? Um, or this like 
weird bragginess to like, oh, well, I'm just craving all these different things and I get to eat my cravings. Um, but it's, it's like necessary anyway. So because I don't, when I, by the time I got to that question, I didn't feel like I was really restricting myself at that time. Um, I still yeah. was a little bit, I just hadn't clicked into that part yet. Um, I never really had an answer to people who were asking mm-hmm. that question because there was never anything that I felt like I needed to have right, right now. Um, mm-hmm. I did during my second pregnancy, notice an uptick in the amount of food that I wanted to eat um, towards the end. Mm-hmm. And that it was a lot of like a lot of carbohydrates um, and, and a lot more food. Like I started to like ramp up, like in the beginning, it was pretty much a lot of food. And then it your second trimester for me, it dropped down a little bit, not a lot, just like less than it was for the three months prior. And then towards the end of the third trimester, it like skyrocketed. Like I was just like constantly all day long, super hungry. Um, even like right up till bedtime. And usually that's just not how my body works. Um, but you know, I'd wake up like fucking ravenous. Like I couldn't leave the house. Like if we wanted to go for a walk the dogs first before eating breakfast, like I still need to like eat something before we left. Yeah. Cause I just couldn't make it that long. Um, but that makes a lot of sense. If you think about what I'm about to do in a few weeks, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> really like, any well, day now. Fuel up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, if I was getting, it is exactly like I'm getting ready to run a marathon. Right. Yeah. But like that, noticing that at the end of my second pregnancy, was so eye-opening to be like, <laughs> I can't ignore these things anymore. Like I can't try to push down what my body instinctually knows that I need without me even like logically clicking into what's about to happen or where I'm going in the next couple months. Like mm-hmm. the timing of this is not a coincidence. There's a reason that I need all of this food. Like literally getting ready to push a human being outside of my body. Like that is a lot of work that's about to happen. It is exhausting and there's a reason for this. And so those kinds of lessons, the one like about the cravings, I think probably is the biggest lesson. And then watching the like contradictory messages pop up fucking everywhere were two things that I tried to really hold on to and focus on. Um, and I, I called it like, try and take this out of pregnancy and hold on to this outside because especially the second time I knew how hard postpartum was going to be not just like mentally and like in terms of taking care of a newborn, but like in terms of fighting back against diet culture, because everything around me was telling me that I needed to focus on losing weight immediately because I only had nine months to get back to the size I was before I was pregnant. And I had to bring the idea of if my body (laughs) knew exactly where I was in my pregnancy, how much food I needed to eat, how much sleep I'd had the day before, how much movement, you know, like all those things together. And I trusted, you know, myself enough to eat what I needed to eat, what I wanted to eat (laughs) when I needed and wanted to eat it. Um, I needed to be able to do that postpartum. And that has been probably the most difficult thing 
um, and the most difficult part of like this experience for me as just really, it's like constantly having to remind myself like that it's okay to eat one, <laughs> like it's okay. Um, it's okay to eat exactly what it is that I want to eat, obviously within like, you know, sometimes the groceries are just not in the house. Like that, that's not, yeah. you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Sometimes that thing that I wanted was in a country that's like a several hour flight away. Obviously that's not, that's not what I mean, but I mean, like if I'm staring at like, you know, something in the fridge that I really would like right now, you know, but I also have like a, I don't know, leftover salad from the night before. And that was supposed to be lunch for today. I don't want to eat it. <laughs> I wanted to eat whatever the other thing was today. I had, I don't know, like some uh, toast with a bunch of berries and some chocolate chips. Cause that's what sounded really good today. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> it was like a little lunch and I didn't have to share my berries with anybody, which you have uh, kids, you know, they eat a lot of berries at once and berries are really expensive. So I sometimes like to have them as my little snack when they're yeah. asleep. <laughs> so I don't need to share with anyone. <laughs> um you know it was like a little like a just the timing of it was a treat for me but just having the food is not a treat in Mm -hmm. itself um because I think that's bullshit as well yeah um but just yeah again holding on to all of that um and I think the last thing I'll say postpartum is that as hard as it was to watch my body grow for nine months back to back (laughs) um because I don't think I'd fully processed everything by the time I got pregnant again. Um, Watching it postpartum is even more difficult, especially knowing slash trying really hard not to have a shortage of pregnancy again, Um, Mm. that I was going to have to live, this sounds dramatic, but like live like this for a lot longer without like the escapism that pregnancy provides. Does that Mm. make sense? I don't know. That's that's, that's like how fucked I feel like diet culture makes this experience is that like pregnancy is an escape from your real life because you don't need to worry about the rules then. I mean, you do a little bit, but you don't need to, you know what I mean? Like that kind of sarcastic thing. Um, Yeah. So just like, like trusting the process enough and a question I ask myself a lot postpartum is like, yeah, you, you might lose weight postpartum. That might happen. But the more important part is what if you don't, not as like a scary thing, but just what if you don't, then what? Do you, do you want to live in a place where you hate yourself the rest of your life? Or like, what is it that I need to do to just be okay with this, to just accept it, that this is what I look like? And so in my mind after like, you know, doing the like freak out backflip, I come back and I just go, okay. And then, and if this looks like this forever, what do I need to do? Um, so for me, it was, I needed to slowly start to replace some of the clothing in my closet. I don't have the money to just throw everything out and buy a whole new wardrobe, but you know, I need to figure out what fits now, um, get rid of everything that doesn't, um, or put it away if it like kind of fits and I'll just kind of revisit it when I'm in a good headspace in a few months just to double check. And then if not, it leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause again, like my body's still changing every single day. Um, so I, you know, again, some pieces I really love and <laughs> I would like mm-hmm. to keep if they still fit, but if they don't fit in a few months, like I can't, I can't have that in my closet. Um, 
it doesn't make me feel good when I see it. So it's gone. Um, that's really good to do when you're in a ruthless mood, not when you're in a like soft, vulnerable mood, <laughs> but that makes sense. so like, yeah, that like, what are you going to do to be okay with this? Because I don't want to feel like this every day for the rest of my life. And I feel like that was for me showcased like, like personal growth that I've done in the last, I guess, three years by this point. Mm. Um, and I do feel like that applies to more than just postpartum people is really just like, okay, great. You've done all this really hard work. If part of you is still hoping for weight loss, you need to work through that part. And mm-hmm. for me, something that has helped me let go of that quest, I guess, or that hope is just to be like, okay, let's just say this is it. This is what you look like for every day for the rest of your life. How are you going to get okay with this? You know, like, what is it that you need to do? And sometimes, yeah, it was like, I need to get clothing that fits properly. Like, I just I can't be squeezing myself in clothing that doesn't fit. It doesn't make me feel good at all. Um, like, not just mentally, but like physically. Like, I don't want to have waistbands cutting through my belly every day. Um, and the other piece was like, I need to feel stronger because that last pregnancy really wrecked me physically. I felt incredibly weak by the end. Um, I know I feel better when I feel stronger. So what am I going to do about that? You know, like, okay, right now it's like walking that I can do. That's what feels most comfortable. Okay, great. Um, oh, you know, it'll really help if I <laughs> work on my seasonal affective disorder. It's like, I know at least when springtime comes, this will be a little bit better, but like, I need to make sure I get outside every day. That's how mm-hmm. I'm going to start to feel better about my body. Um, it's really being very, I guess, pragmatic about this and realistic as well. Like, instead of living in like a dreamland where I think that's like that hopefulness is the appealing part to diet culture, because every time you start a diet or whatever, there's like a little bit of like, well, maybe this time, you know, maybe this Mm -hmm. time. And I think the biggest piece to like, just letting it go and truly saying, fuck it is erasing that like hopefulness that diet culture tries to sell you because the fact of the matter is it's not going to work in the way that diet culture sells it to you. Your body's going to look like what it looks like, period. How are you going to get, like catch up with that idea? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, like, I think that makes a lot of sense. And like learn like how, yeah, like learning how to feel good in the body that you have mm-hmm. and I think also learning that or reminding ourselves through the way that you're doing it is like saying it out loud you were saying that like some of this the messaging is absolutely nonsense and it's like food is attached moral value Mm -hmm. and like yes there's a a bunch of like you're saying like a bunch of nutrients and the things but like you don't need to know that and also you can just eat the cake because it's delicious Mm -hmm. and food doesn't have moral value we need to eat to live and you know grow a baby and (laughs) our (laughs) the size of our body doesn't have any um any direct connection with the value you hold like what if you already like when we think about whether it's like like postpartum like you were saying like nine months postpartum or 
like when you're starting a diet, like what you're seeing the end result is being. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's not just like, it's an interesting practice to look into that because it's not just the smaller body. It's often like, okay. And then I'm going to like put myself out there for a date or mm-hmm. I'm going to like try this out, try this new job, or I'm going to like, I'm going to be successful and loved and stuff. And like, look into that too, because those things are already like, you could, you could do them now. You could like put yourself out there for that date. Now you could like ask for a raise. Now you can, you are already successful. You're already lovable and loved and important. And the size of your body or like how, where you are at in your postpartum, like I was going to say postpartum recovery, postpartum, uh, or in your recovery from diet culture. That's why I'm saying recovery. It's like, wherever you're at, your value does not change. Mm-hmm it's it's there and like what you're saying I think sometimes it's easier to say those things and we can journal but how like what are the actions you can take to feel that in your body like Mm -hmm. like you're saying going for walks or you know like taking your iron pill or whatever it is you need to yeah absolutely it's just like I was thinking about people shit on the term or shit on self-care a little bit by saying like you know addressing your basic needs isn't self-care like you need to do other things for that to be self-care and I was actually thinking about that when I sat down with my little lovely place to <laughs> homemade sourdough with peanut butter on it, it was still warm I could yeah. eat while it was hot <laughs> today my little berries all cut up nicely in my chocolate chips um that, nice. that this to me was taking care of myself like you know I got to eat it without anybody else yelling at me or throwing food at me, uh, like <laughs> sit down yeah. quietly. Um, even moments where like, where both kids are napping and I make myself coffee, like that is self-care to me. Like it's taking care of myself. Um, you know, asking to go take a shower and doing a little, like a face mask and that kind of stuff. Like, yes, it's um, basic hygiene that I should be doing, but like, it is me taking care of myself and, mm-hmm why else would it be called self-care if that wasn't it? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be something extravagant. I don't need to go ask to go do a girl's trip. Like, that's not feasible right now, no. you know, and making people, um, I think for me, I've noticed it, the messaging a lot about my parenthood, like, you know, taking a shower isn't self-care, taking, you know, whatever, um, going for a walk isn't self-care or whatever. These are like basic things. Um, I think, what they're trying to say is like, you can't tell someone, well, you've already had free time. You took a shower today. No, <laughs> you know, I'm asking for something different, oh, but see, like yeah. me saying that I'm taking care of myself and that's how I did my self-care today was I mm-hmm. took a shower. Um, and that's what made me feel good about today. You can't take that mm-hmm. away from me. <laughs> like, you know, no. so, um, I don't know how I ended up here. I think it's a good note to, like, <laughs> to end on too, because it relates to everything that you were, we've been talking about, but it also, like we're, I think first, like self-care definitely is like your basic needs as well as other stuff. It's not just Why like, not? <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes self-care is marketed as like marketed. I'm going to put an emphasis yeah. on that word as like um, pedicures and face masks and stuff but it could also be like and it's just like yeah i just be like playing a video game if you need to like do something fun it could be like going for a walk it could be like napping or turning your phone off for five Mm -hmm. minutes it could be meditating for one minute it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be this long elaborate like expensive thing because that's not accessible Mm -hmm. and um really the point (laughs) yeah i guess it was like the the tie-in for me it was like the self-care piece was really just like 
and again, this is like me at least three years into like really intentionally working on my eating disorder, but like really taking care of myself in terms of like, what is it that I need to do to be okay right now? Um, and there are things that I can adjust in my life to make myself happier because I know for a fact, no matter what size I've been, that has not impacted my actual confidence or my happiness or my yeah. level of satisfaction with my life. Not, that hasn't, yeah. no matter what I've weighed, no matter any, any of that, the size I wore did not correlate in any way to the level of, I don't want to say happiness because I feel like we've talked about the detrimentalness of that term, but like <laughs> the satisfaction that yeah. I felt in my life. Um, yeah. Cause I know that that work is only going to come from like the inside out. It's not going to be the other way around. And so yeah. anyways, asking myself those questions is self-care for me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all, it all, I think it all ties in with everything you've been saying that like when you start to step away from diet culture and like when you were going through your pregnancy, it was, it's like you felt to me, it sounded like to me that you were in some ways challenged to take care of yourself in a new way without the diet culture and like Mm -hmm. how can I feel good in my body and have that be the question and nothing to do with diet culture Mm -hmm. like how can I take care of myself and nothing to do with diet culture and that relates to you know like with listening to your body and resting or eating more at the end of your pregnancy because and not going into like the morality of you needing more or or being more hungry just letting it be like oh I'm more hungry it is what it was you know, yeah. and just, yeah, the difficult part is taking those lessons out with you. So I do need to like say them out loud to myself. That's, I'm like a auditory learner or whatever. <laughs> like I like hearing yeah. things to learn them. Um, so for me, that works really well. Um, obviously find what works really well for you, but I would try asking yourself that question. I think no matter if it's like a related to pregnancy or not, um, just to see what it feels like. And if you're feeling resistance, I would explore why that resistance mm-hmm. is there. But these are just little nuggets on the path to like the, <laughs> it feels lifelong, but it does get better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for talking about your experience. Oh, thanks for listening. It was nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you telling us, um, telling us about it and um the vulnerability and stuff in that so thank you um i still don't know how to end a podcast so i guess i could have ended it there yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) hi